This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. This has been a fantastic conversation. I have in our takeaways, I'm going to highlight a couple, couple of the big nuggets that we've had here. But let's move on to our lightning round, which is uh, presented by Data.World. So we got four questions, yes or no answers, or you can give some context. Um, I'll kick it off first. So is an approach and focus to developing data assets more important than developing data products? Man, that's a tough one. You know, I think you have to have, in my mind, the way my framework works, you have to have assets to be able to create the products. So yes, I think you have to start with assets and make sure you have what you need, the raw ingredients, you know, in order to create the dishes. I I like how about this. The assets are these raw ingredients. You're going to go to build a bunch of stuff with it. And I think this is how we can start framing it. Uh, um, Yeah. The products... The products need to be tied to some particular like business out business outcome that at the end is either going to save money and or make money. One of those two things. One of those two things. Yes, totally. I think that's interesting advice. There's more to unpack there in the future because I think people are so excited about data products and they're just like, how do I jump to data products? Yeah. And like, and I, worry, I worry that it's overused though. I think it's almost like people are using it as a crutch for whatever they're doing. Like, oh, it's a product, so I have to. It's going to be better because it's product, and it's like you're still just using software or something like it's just not as different as you you thought it was we we can spend multiple episodes on just on his no bs give me your definition of a data product and we'll go all over the place maybe that's we we, we did a sequence of just asking people like one minute rant on data mesh you know we could we're gonna work through a similar montage (laughs) of data products i mean data mesh has a similar right people say well isn't that just data governance or isn't that you know it's like something else right i think data product answer is no 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 you don't understand it right We'll read, this, on that we'll read all these blog posts and all these things, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, you go. Next yeah. question. All right, all right. Next okay. question. All right. So, is it the responsibility of a data leader to prove their data team's value? Yeah, I think so. I think that's part of the role as the leader. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the team has to do things too, but I think the leader is the one who's going to help be that mouthpiece. That's why I'm talking about. I'm the cheering squad for my team. Um, and it's and the storyteller, which is where the value becomes clear to the end user. So yeah, I think that's a part of the role, um, and it's necessary because often the folks who are really working in the weeds on the details and making things happen, they they don't want anything to do with talking about what they're doing, and so they would much prefer somebody else do that sort of value proposition and story. So yeah, I think so. I think that's a part of it. That's and that's a different skill, which is why it's really tricky for folks when they've been so good at doing data science or data engineering or whatever technical thing to transition into leading a team because it's a totally different thing they need to do to be successful in that role. So that probably speaks to why sometimes new data leaders struggle because they need to do something very different, right? They're not a super programmer. They're, they're a storyteller, which is a different right. skill. That's yeah, a really good there's observation. There's also good conversations I've been having and just reading a lot about data leaders. Should they have a technical background or maybe they shouldn't have a technical background or, or, or that's not their primary. Background. Yeah, that's another one. I think that's an interesting, I don't think there's a right or wrong there, but you know, in my mind, I like that I have some experience doing some of the tedious things because it gives me that context. So like having programmed a little bit early days in SAS and SQL and using data to answer questions myself, I think gives me some more confidence that what I'm asking somebody to do is either awesome or really hard or it's going to be terrible you know like you have a sense of what you're you're signing someone else up for and you have that credibility i, I, I like your food analogy when you said that like the chefs made the best yeah you harder, right because right? you do i think you need to have some chef experience some in the kitchen like you know really in the trench kind of experience to be really but you don't need to i mean i've seen some really great data leaders right. who are much more about the storytelling and the 
you tell me what I need to know, and then I'll make it sing. Kind it'll, of. I'll, it'll I'll be an interesting episode about. Let's have one. I think so too. About just technical background and non-technical background. All right. This, gotta, this reminds me of an episode that we had a while ago, like a long time ago, of like different types of CDOs. They have different styles. Yeah. yeah. We had that with Muhammad yeah. Osir, who was about like, oh, are you the entrepreneur one? Are you the one about protection or like, all that stuff? I think that, that's a good one. About yeah. It. We'll yeah, talk about really people. Good. Next question is, is okay. the people aspect of data the biggest missing piece? I think so. That's an easy yes, you know, for me. Um, was it, yes. I'm hoping you were saying yes because that's the one we need to emphasize most. <laughs> exactly. That'd be weird if I was like, nah, people don't really matter that much. Actually, no, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think for me is one of the, I, I feel like it's one of the things I have found myself having to remind people the most is like, and, and it, it comes with the phrase that I often say to our really techie folks, which is you have to finish your homework before you go and play video games. And what I mean by that is you, you have to fix the things that people, you know, the important basic stuff that people really want to get done is going to have to get out of the way before anyone will be interested in your like video game, cool technical thing that you want to do. And that's really hard when people, but this, but this video game though, it's so cool. And you're like, I love it. I, I get it. It's I actually need, you know, finance cool data or useful. Yeah. And sometimes they come together, right? But yeah. sometimes. They don't. And so you just have to make sure that there's enough of that emphasis. And I think that's a bit of the the struggle that really people who are very tech, I mean, I'm, I love technology too, but I think if you, if you let that kind of take over, you run the risk of a lot of cool stuff, but it's not tied to the goals of the business or the problems right. that are causing problems. And then how do you justify it? Eventually someone's going to catch up and be like, why do we have all of these oculuses? Like, what are we doing? You know, so yeah. you I can't have a healthy body if you're only eating candy. Exactly. It's why you can't have dessert all the time. Same idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. All right. Last question. All right. Jim. Last question. This one's actually a little more just industry specific. So, you know, is pharma industry experience or let me be more specific. Is pharma industry expertise critical to pharma data work? That's a good one. Um, I don't, I guess I would say if I had to pick yes, no, I would say no. I think you can teach people a lot. Um, I think it's important that people get that context. And we've had to do a lot of that work with, you know, giving people some kind of onboarding of what is a pharmaceutical company and some of the terminology, of course, all the acronyms, all that kind of stuff. But my hunch is that's the same anytime you cross industries and consultants do that all the time, right? If you look at the big consulting firms, they oscillate across industries and, and they, they can figure it out. So I think you can teach a lot of this. I think people don't always like that's kind of controversial because I think there is a bit of how can this person lead if they haven't run a pharmaceutical team before kind of stuff. But, right. you know, I've seen people coming in from very different spaces and doing quite well in the data, you know, in the data world, because the data part is really a skill that is important and knowing best practice and how to you know, document your code or how to put together your different kinds of catalogs like you guys manage. Like it's helpful if you have a general sort of, there is a right -er way to do things and a wrong -er way. There's not like one right way, but I think it's helpful if you have a background. So we've hired some folks from Amazon. Um, we've had people come from, you know, agriculture, people from other industries that are not at all healthcare specific and they've done quite well. So I think, I think you can, teach that part of it if, if that's what you're looking for and you can get people who've done some pretty innovative things again with the whole train at the back end thing if you can find some people from an amazon or google or apple or something that come um, we just got somebody from meta and that's been really interesting to hear their horror yeah. stories of being in meta so there is something there too i think for us that helps um that benefits us if we bring some yeah. inside 
some outside in thinking for sure. So yeah, the outside in thinking. And, uh, and if you had to choose between, you know, somebody who's great at data um, and, you know, not so much at pharma versus great at pharma, not so much at data, the, when you're working with the, the, the former, you can, yeah. you can teach proficiency in the pharma. Right. No, I, I will say I've seen people make a pivot in their career and had people come to me and say, I love this data stuff. It's something I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. I was a sales rep or I was in kind of a totally different department at, at a pharma company and I want to make the pivot. And it can be done. So it's not that you couldn't do it, but I think that's a different sort of journey that you're going on. And you probably won't immediately jump in and start writing code. I mean, obviously that's like literally having to learn another language. So I think you can do both, but I, I do find, I find myself more biased toward actually looking for the, the data skills over the industry experience. Mm -hmm. Well, we have gone through so much and Hey, it's, T-T-T. Tim, take us away with takeaways. Time take for some off. takeaways. So uh, takeaways. amazing conversation. Um, I think we started off especially around this idea of data assets versus data products uh, and the importance of treating your data or thinking of your data as an asset and that being pretty fundamental on the journey towards data products. And I think that's an, an interesting perspective because people tend to use these words in, in all sorts of different ways. I feel like it makes a lot of sense to me to think of this as kind of a funnel I've really latched onto your use of the word chaos. There's like the data chaos, that's like the top of the funnel. Yes, and then the data assets, assets, and then the data products, and then, you know, uh, there's data value all along the way. Um, and I think that's a really great way to think of it. And you, you mentioned this idea of like, you know, you want to care for your data assets. You want to uh, really think about the data value and think of it like almost like a balance sheet, maybe not literally a balance sheet, because a lot of companies aren't necessarily literally putting their data on, you know, as liabilities on the balance sheet. But if you think that way, then that really gets you to think about it in the right way. Um, assets are larger than a product. Um, and in general, you also mentioned some of the the, the, the um, terminology in pharma that like, you know, in pharma, our product is usually a drug. So that that actually adds some interesting dynamics about the words that we choose and how we talk about uh, these different things within data. Uh, and when you talked about what is data value, you mentioned it's better data, better decisions, more accurate decisions, and then higher ROI that's coming from, from those data um, assets and data products. Um, you know, that can result in, you know, being faster, being more efficient, saving resources, both the data side and the digital side can have a big impact on this, you mentioned. Um, and you really have to focus on the problems, the problems that you're solving, and that really connects to the data value. So talk to the executives, talk to the key people in the organization, ask them what keeps them up at night, what makes them worried. Um, and use stories, use anecdotes to make it so that you can have a common language to talk about their data problems and talk about how data can solve their problems. And, you know, if it helps to talk about pipes and water, if it helps to talk about food and metaphor, food metaphors like mirepoix and things like that, if it helps to talk about supply chains, like do use what helps you have a productive conversation. And these metaphors, I think you mentioned several of them, food being a favorite um, as being really powerful and helpful to do that. Um, and before I hand it to Juan, you also mentioned that data governance, data management, it's never done. Uh, you kind of agree that, hey, it's a function. Don't, don't think of it in terms of projects. Think of, it, think of it more in terms of like programs and processes. Amazing stuff. So much more. But Juan, what about you? Well, so for me, one of the top uh, kind of nuggets here was collect the outcomes. So I, I always say like the, we talk about data catalogs, about cataloging data. And I always like I this is about more about cataloging data, about cataloging data and knowledge. Uh -huh. And the knowledge also is like, what are the decisions that are being made? What are the outcomes from those decisions? And you want to go basically trace it all back and saying, hey, 
the, uh, uh, generate these case studies, how we're actually improving. And then at the end, you may find some correlation saying, hey, this outcome and it's correlated with this data work, you see some correlation. Then from a qualitative point of view, maybe you can actually point to that. It was actually that causation right there. And once you do that, this is my interpretation. It's like you start generating that trust. You gain that ability, and then actually you have the availability now to take some risks. It's almost like an extreme and lineage one. I think that's kind of what it's like. You take lineage even further forward than just like a report, but all the way to like what did it, what did you do with it? Yeah, yeah, I like that. But business lineage here. That was a a big aha moment for me here. And we talk about what are the connections between like the data assets and the data product, data values. This other big great nugget is like it's not just about like oh we're going to go sell the data. It is, no, we're generating these products which are these services that happens to be all filled with data. And at the end, like in this particular space, like there's some other forcing function which is actually, again, forcing you. In your case, it's an insurance that you need to go pay for this. You're going to go pay for it. You need to put a price on that stuff. And I think there's like this trend that it doesn't have to be always just kind of the regulatory point of view. Um, and I think when it, talking about the pharma industry itself is like, yeah, pharma is slow, but hey, automotive is a little bit slower than that. So <laughs> that don't be that bad. Um, how to start is you need a critical mass of people to go start with. Start small, show value, quick wins. Who are those early evangelists, those champions? I think that's something we constantly hear, but that's something we really need to focus on and, and help others feel comfortable with that conversation about tech. Uh, on, on scaling teams, uh, start with the problems understand make a list of them understand what are the hardest problems and another great nugget for me was have this entire kind of spectrum of really hard problems and really easy problems and start the extreme you need to tackle the hard problems because you know it's going to take a while but you also want to tackle the easy problems because you want to show some value quickly if you only focus on easy problems you're going to show quick wins but not show the big picture if you only select the hard problems it's going to take a while you're not going to show value people are going to be questioning what you're doing and then finally uh finish your homework before you can do play video games how did we do anything that we missed on takeaways no i thought that was fabulous it's really made me sound kind of smart thanks <laughs> You're repeating what yeah. you said here. That was all you. you. That was all you. No, I all appreciate right. it. That's really cool. So throw it back to you. Three things, three yes. questions. What's your advice about data, about life, whatever? Open question. Second, who should we invite next? And third, what are the resources that you follow? People, blogs, conferences, books, so forth. Sure. Okay. Um, so I think one of my my advice probably is not surprising. It's, it's about starting with the people even though you're in a data space. Um, and one thing I, I think is really important as a leader in data is that you, you I call it, especially with my, actually with my thing here, you set the weather as a leader. So you kind of decide the energy level, the optimism, the way that everyone's going to feel. And so keep in mind how you show up, the energy you bring, the, you know, the way you engage is going to, to really be part of how you succeed or fail. I think sometimes people forget that their own energy as a leader is what sort of starts to generate momentum for the team. So I'm often relentlessly positive, even when I'm a little unsure we're going to figure it out. I'm like, we're doing it. This is happening. And, and it tends to work out that way. So that's one thing I would say I've found to be very helpful over the years. Um, in terms of the next person, I think you should bring on. I'm a huge, huge fan of Israel Abraham. He's over at Mass Mutual. I interviewed him actually recently as part of a data program I was in Massachusetts doing, and he has built this incredible juggernaut of a data infrastructure at MassMutual, and um, he's just a lovely, wonderful human being as well. So I would recommend him highly as another person to talk to. 
Um, awesome. And then in terms of things I follow and read, I, you know, from leadership perspective, Simon Sinek's one of my my favorites. I tend to repeat things he says on a regular basis. Um, I really have to plug in the Data Storytellers podcast as another podcast. I was I was actually been listening to that one. And I was part of that one. Um, that notion of storytelling. I think you, what's nice about it is it's different stories that people have told to get things to happen in their organizations. And so that's really, how I found you. That's how you found me. That's right. I'm like, wait, I want to meet Jane. <laughs> yeah. So that one, I would say like every time I listen to one of those two, you get this really interesting kind of vignette. It's usually about 15, 20 minute like story that someone's telling about what they've done with data. So that's a really nice one. Um, and then I think in terms of conferences or things to read, um, I'm a big fan of actually Avanta has a, a data conference that they do every year that I really like. The format is smaller. You get to really talk to each other more. Um, so that's yeah, I like I that. It's just as a vendor, like we can also go to these things, but it's like yeah. not non-salesy at all. You just have no honest. It's 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 like the it's almost like it's, this podcast. It's, it's honest, got the no no BS honest thing going on. I think it's really nice, and I love that they do have those like roundtable breakout so you actually do talk to each other rather than just somebody kind of talking at you so exactly. yeah those are all good resources cool. for for data well this has been a fantastic conversation before we wrap up and say thank you just a couple of things next week we have anna Abra Abra abramova from sql dbm we talk about data modeling which is one of the other big topics right now and second in two weeks or 10 days actually uh, I'm going to be at uh, data day texas here in austin it's on january 28th on saturday Get a 20% discount. Just put in your name, put in my name. Wants a kid to get a 20% discount. Uh, we got, it has an amazing roster of guests all packed in one day. And even just a bunch of former guests from data, from, from Catalan Cocktails. So Shamak Degani is going to be there. Joe Rice, Bill Inman, who was our guest last week. Chad Sanderson, Jans Osman, Dave McComb. Like that's going to be a phenomenal converse, uh, conference. I'm going to be giving a talk on show me the money. Talk about data ROI. That's my talk over there. So just use my name. Wants a kid to get twenty percent discount for that. And with that, Jane, thank you, thank you so much. As always, thanks to our world who lets us do this, the Enterprise Data Catalog. Thanks for supporting us, Jane. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have a good thank one. You. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Cheers.